all the voices of the Old Covenant were declaring Christ. Just like we see in the, in, in the Scripture. When we go and read the Scripture, the Scripture is declaring Him. The very Scriptures of the Old Testament are a testimony of Jesus Christ. And here in the book of Revelation, what's laid out before John, you know, a uh, uh, son of man with a garment down to the foot. And if I study the Scripture about a, a garment, it's going to take me back into the Old Testament priesthood. And I'm going to start looking at that Old Testament priesthood, and I'm going to see that Old Testament priesthood is a testimony of Jesus Christ. And the writer of Hebrews, and that's where we're going to spend a lot of time this morning, is in the book of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews makes this just emphatically clear throughout the entire book. I mean, I mean, you get into Hebrews and it's the book of the high priest. But it's not the Levitical priest. It's not declaring Aaron. It's not declaring the work of Aaron. It's not declaring that at all. It mentions that. But it mentions it in, in, a, in a manner of a contrast. It begins to show you the old that wasn't enough and the new that supersedes. And, that, and, 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 and what I begin to look at this week is how that a lot of what we believe is based on the old. That wasn't enough. But Jesus superseded everything that was in the old. So as I say that, flip over, over to Hebrews 2. And verse Hebrews 2, chapter 2, verse 17. And when you read a word like wherefore, it behooved him, but wherefore, in order to understand the wherefore, I would have to read the verses before. Right? So, so when I read the Bible, and I think upon the Bible, the Bible... Most of these, if not all of these, were not written in chapter and verse anyway. They were written as a letter. And sometimes it, it kind of gets us in trouble because we'll go to chapter 3, and chapter 3 is a, is a continuing thought from chapter 2, but we'll read chapter 3 without the thought from chapter 2. So when I read, wherefore it behooved him in all things to be made like unto his like unto his brethren, I have to go back really, and this morning I'm not going to, so I'm going to ask you to, and read the verses that lead up to wherefore it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. Why why did it behoove him? Because his brethren were caught in death. And He destroyed him that had the power of death, that is the devil. That's part of His ministry. So He destroyed the power of death that had mankind in captivity all their life. So it behooved Him to be made like unto His brethren that He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, 
He is able to secure them that are tempted. Now Exodus 28 kind of lays out some of the priest, the high priesthood of the Old Covenant and then the book of Leviticus, whole book. The, high priest, the priesthood's all the way through the Old Testament, but the book of Leviticus is really a book of the priesthood. The Levites. The Levites were the Levitical priests that were operating in the instructions of the Lord given by Moses and governing the body of Israel. So the entire body of Israel was governed by the Levitical priesthood. And chapter 16 is kind of the uh, summation or, or, or big picture of the book of Leviticus because it deals with the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement was a day, I guess, if you were a Jew, you were looking for it every year for the high priest to walk in and atone for your sins. And so I, I mention this because a lot of the book of Hebrews deals with the high priest. But it deals with a high priest that surpasses everything done in the Old Covenant. Verse, chapter 7, verse 11. And, and this right here just... And I probably could go an hour on verse 11. Now, if there was perfection through the Levitical priesthood, for under it half the people received the law. Listen to this. Now, if there was perfection through the Levitical priesthood, where the law was given, what further need was there that a, another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek? So if perfection could have come through the Levites, through the law, there wouldn't be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Would have never happened. We would still be up under the law and all the requirements of the law would still be in our midst. Now, now what I say, I could spend so much time here, is that many believers who have never even been under the law think they are under part of the law. They do. They believe that, that somehow part of the law carried over to Christ. And it didn't happen. And see, see, look at this close. Another order arose and not be reckoned after the order of Aaron, verse 12, for the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. So the priesthood changed, then the law changed. For he of whom these things are said belongeth to another tribe from which no man hath given attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord hath sprung out of Judah as to which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priests. 
And what we say is yet more abundantly evident if after the likeness of Melchizedek there ariseth another priest who hath been made not after the law of carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. So, so this, this priesthood is not after the, the power of the law. It's not after carnal commandment, but it's after the power of an endless life. Now, now what's the big deal of understanding this? He had the power to bring many sons to glory. See, see, in the Old Covenant, the priests there could not bring you to glory. Doing all the rituals of the Old Covenant could not bring you into the glory of God. Couldn't do it. You were shut out. But Jesus becoming a priest after better things to come, in a better covenant, brings us into the very glory of God. That's a better priesthood. See, trying to put this in words. See, the old priesthood and we're going to look at some of these Scriptures, continually brought your mind to the remembrance of sins. And this is why I say, many of us are living as if we're under the old priesthood. Because our minds are continually brought back to being under sin. Right? The struggle in Christians is sin. The conscience. Christians don't believe they're good enough for God. Not sinners, Christians. All the time. It's all over Christianity. In their heart. They may say it with their mouth. But in their heart, they're thinking, I'm not good enough. Because their mind is still wrapped up in an old covenant. And in fact, we preached for years without meaning to the old covenant. Explain, Brother Wayne. Every week, many Christians are brought back to are you right with God? I can remember sitting in meetings where it would go on and on. Are you sure you're right with God? To try to get your conscience to be as guilty as it could possibly be. And Christians would leave a meeting and they will pray in their hearts. Lord, I hope you don't come back at the wrong time. 
because their conscience was toward sin. Wasn't toward what Jesus had done, but it was toward sin. Because because instead of preaching Jesus, it's like we preach Jesus as as well. He forgave my sins, but I still have this sin problem. What what didn't happen was the application of Jesus that removed the consciousness of sin, the consciousness of guilt. Most. Most of probably us in here that have received the Lord have spent a lot of time in guilt. God doesn't want you to live there. In fact, you're a new creature, Paul writes, created of God in Christ Jesus. Well, if I understand I'm created of God in Christ Jesus, do you think I'm going to walk around with a, with a continual consciousness of sin? Probably not. But if I continually think I'm just a man of the flesh, doing the best I can to Jesus come, then I'm going to walk around and mull around as a man of flesh. This is a big deal. Because it's a matter of conscience. And here in Hebrews, it, it answers a lot of these questions. Chapter 8, I'll read that and we'll get in chapter 9. Chapter 8, just first couple verses, it says, Now in the things which we are saying, the chief point is this, or this is the sum. We have such a high priest. We have such a high priest. we got a different kind of high priest. It's what, what the writer saying. We've got such a high priest that the power of this offering has removed sin and shame. We've got such a high priest that He brought many sons to glory. We have such a high priest that death and hell has no power over the believers. That's what kind of high priest we have. So when He says we have such a high priest, He's denoting the character of that priest, and this high priest is greater than the priesthood of Aaron. Because Aaron's priesthood continually made remembrance of sin over and over and over again. It continually brought a people into condemnation. There was continual condemnation in the camp of Israel. But we have such a high priest who has sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched in our midst. Now, you can go down this, down this vein real easy. He's the minister of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched in not meant. So, so again, 
what I said early on, this is a contrast of the old and the new. Here's a big issue in believers' hearts. Is He the minister of the tabernacle right now? Or has God yet got to build another building in the Middle East for Jesus to be the minister of? Now think about it. A lot of believers believe that. They read right over top of this Scripture. Bad belief produces bad results. So if he's a minister of the true tabernacle, which tabernacle you are, but Hebrews says Christ who is a son over his own house, whose house you are. So He's the minister of the true tabernacle that the Lord pitched and not man. So, and His ministry over this tabernacle far exceeds the ministry of Aaron. See, the ministry of Aaron could not lead you into the Holy of Holies. It cannot give you access. It cannot clear your conscience. But the ministry of Christ not only leads you into the Holy Holy, you dwell in the presence of God. I don't know that we really get this. In the Old Covenant, God is veiled behind a veil. And Brother Bob read part of that this morning on over in the book of Hebrews. God was behind the veil. The children of Israel couldn't enter into the veil. In fact, only the high priest could only enter in behind that veil. And he could only do it one time a year. And he had to do it a very particular way. But Christ died and gave access to the Father, to God, through the offering of His body, that you could dwell here on earth in the presence of the living God. That's the ministry He has. Far exceeds Aaron. And see, if a people aren't taught that, see, people are waiting to dwell in the presence of God when they physically die. Christians. Christians say, well, I have God in my heart. But when you physically die, what part of you remains? Your heart or your body? They take your body. I've got news for you. They take your body, they put it in a box, and bury it. But your heart remains. So if He's in your heart right now, then maybe, you know maybe about it, you can know Him right now. It's just a change of concepts. It's a change of the mind. 
Because religion has taught about a God that you can't know till you physically die. I got news for you, that's not the God of the Bible. That's not Elohim, Jehovah, Yahweh. That's not Jesus. Not a God that that you have to wait to know, but He's a God that you can know right now. And this is the ministry that's in the that's going on here when he's right about we have such a great high priest who has given us access unto the throne of God. Why don't I feel like it? Your mind's got to be changed. You've got to be transformed. That's why. If I'm not transformed, I won't feel like it. So the fact that I'm born again, say I get born again, that's just a starting place. Then the work of the Spirit is in transformation. So the work of the Spirit is to come and transform my mind, transform my thought, transform my understanding. And it will start affecting my being. It really will. That I'll wake up and I'll say, wow, I really believe this because God is really this real to me. That's the work of the Spirit, that He would come and lead us into all truth. He will take a mind, Jesus said, and show it to you. All things of the fathers are mine. Therefore said I, He shall take of mine and show it to you. Now He's not showing it to your physical eyes. He's showing it to your heart. To the inside of you. To you. When Jesus come and said, you must be born again, your physical body didn't get birthed again. It's the same old body you had before. You realize that? You didn't get this new physical body. But you, so there was a you inside of the physical body. You were born again if you received it. And the you was inside of the shell. If we can hear it. So you that's inside of this shell has to be transformed by the renewing of your mind by the Spirit of God to the truth that's in Jesus. You're not going to get transformed to anything else. Nothing else will transform you but the truth that's in Jesus. Nothing. Won't work. Because God only really gave one formula. And the formula He gave was Jesus. Didn't give another formula. Didn't give another way. Didn't give another solution. He only gave one. Wouldn't make sense 
to be a living God and have multiple ways, would it? Because it would create a lot of confusion. So God just simplified it and filled Himself in the person of Jesus Christ and come and offered an offering that could take you out of death and hell and bring you into life, peace, and righteousness. That's what He's opened the door for, is for you to live in life, peace, and righteousness without a guilty conscience. I don't believe that, Brother Wayne. Well, I do. (laughs) I believe that wholeheartedly, actually. And want to believe it even more. Hebrews 9, verse 7. I said read it all. I thought about reading this whole chapter today. But you should. In fact, you should read the book of Hebrews. It says, But into the second, verse 7, but into the second, the high priest alone once in the year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of of the people. This is captured again in Leviticus 16. This is the day of atonement. The Holy Spirit, this signifying that the way into the holy place hath not yet been made manifest while the first tabernacle is yet standing, which is a figure for the time present, all right, I'm going to stop you here for a minute. Because you read this, and you say, well, it's a figure for the time present, and what we don't understand sometimes. When the writer wrote this, the old temple still stood. Okay? When the writer wrote this Scripture, the old temple was still standing. So it was a figure for the time that was there. A figure. It wasn't the reality. It was a figure for the time present while it was still standing. And in this figure it says, according to which are offered both gifts and sacrifices that cannot, as touching the conscious, make the worshiper perfect being only with meats and drinks and divers' washings, carnal ordinances, imposed imposed until time of reformation. So there was a time that there was going to be a reformation. But Christ, having come a high priest of good things to come. So Christ came a high priest of good things to come, of the reformation. The Reformation was the good things to come. Through the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, here's this tabernacle again, that is to say, not of this creation, nor yet through the blood of goats and calves, but through His own blood, entered in once for all into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling them that have been defiled sanctifieth unto the uncleanness of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish unto God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause, the cleansing of your conscience, This is the reason, this cause. He's the mediator of the new covenant. 
So do you think he might conclude your conscience? Writer Hebrews sort of thought it good. He didn't sort of think it. I, I, I kid around a little bit to, to try to get it to soak in. He wrote that this offering was to cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now, the dead works are not just your sins. They are. They are your sins. But they're also the works under the old covenant. See, because those works were only figures of the truth. So if I live in the figure, I'm probably not going to feel cleansed. If I keep running back to the figure, see, see, believers do this. They, they, they run back to the figure. Do we understand a type and a shadow? We've taught about types and shadows for years, but do we really understand it? A type is a pattern of something else. It's like we, we have in today's modern world today, in the company I work for, they build prototypes. And they'll build a figure of the end product, but it's not the end product. And it won't do what the end product does. Might be close. Might look good. But it doesn't have the final production model. Okay? That's what the law was. It was a prototype of what God was going to do in Christ. But then, the reality came. Not the model, but the actual priest came. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now the prototype no longer had a purpose. like when, when Ford builds a new Mustang, which will get Calvin's attention, and they have a prototype of that, and they come around, they show all these things that's going to be in that new Mustang. And for it be ten years, people go around and look at that prototype going, wow, can't wait till the real one comes out. But when that real one comes out, you're not going to get too many people coming to look at the prototype anymore. They're going to want the reality. I want to sit in that real seat. I don't want the shell. I want the real thing. And what's went on in the church is the churches went back to the prototype and tried to live unto God in the prototype instead of the reality. Of what Christ has done. That's what's happened. Let me go back to the prototype. Well, the prototype can prototype can save you from your sins. 
Let me go back and hang the Ten Commandments on the wall. The Ten Commandments are just holy and good, but they couldn't save you from your sins. You can hang them on all the walls you want, and you'll still be a sinner unless you've received the Lord Jesus Christ. You quote them every day. You can memorize the Ten Commandments. You can have them in your mind. In fact, you can go back and memorize the whole law. But if you do not receive the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't come to the reality through the Ten Commandments. And here's what Christians do. They receive the Lord Jesus Christ, but instead of understanding the offering of the Lord, then they try to get perfect under the prototype. Prototype couldn't perfect you before. Why can't it now? What happened to make you think that going back to the law, I could get right with God? Maybe because we didn't have much depth of His offering to teach. So we run back to the prototype. Because our conscience is cleansed through Him. See, His offering forever redeems you. How long is forever? It's a mighty long time. Right? So I come and run unto Jesus. So if I do sin, I've said this last few weeks, if I do catch myself in a fall, I don't run back to the law to try to perfect myself. I run to Him. I turn to Him. Because I couldn't get it right before Him. So why do I think I'm going to get it right afterwards? I don't know if it's making sense to you. It makes a lot of sense to me. This is, this is the new covenant. For this cause, He's a mediator of a new covenant that a death had been taken place for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant. They that have been called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. How, how much inheritance? Eternal. Christ the high priest of good things to come and not the same building. So He's not a priest over that old building that was continually coming to an acknowledgement of sin. You, you, do, do you see that? I can't get off of this. The old building had a continual acknowledgement of sin. Every time they approached that old building, guess what they were doing? They were acknowledging their sins. Go back and read it every time. Even, even you, you know, uh, I read a little bit of, a, of, the, of the, how the man with the leopard, leprosy is cleansed. You wouldn't want to have leprosy in those days. You don't want to have leprosy today either, but you didn't want to have it in those days. Because, man, you, you're going to come in, you're going to go through this ritual, and you're going to shave all your hair, and you're going to live outside of your house for seven days. You can't even go inside. You're thinking, oh boy, what if it rains? What if it's cold? What if... What if it's ten below zero? Well, that's the law. I, I, I imagine, whether this is true or not, I imagine they would build little booths and probably stay in the little booth. But the law was they couldn't even enter back into their house until they went through that purification ritual. 
So, he's not of this building at all. And what believers want to do is build another building like that one that was under the law. So Christ as a high priest of another building. So His offering is speaking greater. His building is greater because in His building the presence of God is filling every part. Glory to God. Chapter 10. I'm about to quit. Chapter 10. Verse 1. For the law having a shadow. Here's this word shadow. Of good things to come, but not the very image, can never with the same sacrifices year by year, which they offer continually, make them that draw Perfect, make perfect them that draw nigh, or else they would not have ceased to be offered. So if they could have made them perfect, they would have offered it, offered the bull or the goat or the turtle dove, and it would have stopped. Because the comers to that would have had no more conscience of sin. But the comers to that still had the conscience of sin. Brother Mark, what we're dealing with today is the problem in the church is we still have a conscience of sin when Jesus removed our sin consciousness. Because the worshipers, having been once cleansed, would have had no more conscience of sin, but in those sacrifices there is a remembrance made of sins year by year. So every year there's a continual remembrance of sin. So what was the answer to the continual remembrance of sin? A body hast thou prepared me. Sacrifices and offering thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein, but a body hast thou prepared me. He taketh away the first, the first covenant, the first house, the first order of sacrifices, that he may establish the second. And that's what we're talking about. In the establishment of the second, He removes the consciousness of sin. But how how do I maintain that? Right? When I get born again, when you're born again, if you've ever been born again of the Lord, your sins were taken away. Who's ever felt that in their heart? Why did they come back? Okay. So this is a good question, right? Jesus removed my sins, but I feel like a sinner. Why? Well, maybe you've been preached your whole life that you're a sinner. Maybe you've been taught your whole life that you're supposed to be under conviction of sin. I don't know that Apostle Paul believed that by what he wrote. I don't think he did. I think, I think that's the issue is what he wrote is very different than what people believe. As we got into a program that would take you back to the law because we didn't understand the offering of our high priest, we didn't understand his priesthood so exceeded the priesthood of Aaron. So our minds were still clothed upon with the old instead of the new. 
So instead of being cloved upon with what Christ had done, we're still cloved upon with the old, and any time I mess up, I'm running back at the old that God, I don't please you. Well, you didn't please God anyway according to your flesh. And that's what we don't get. We never please God according to our flesh anyway. So the pleasing of God that we come to was the offering of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And right there we met with God in the person of Jesus Christ and He cleansed us. So why do we ever turn back to ourselves to find peace with God? You know, Barbara, while we turn back to ourselves. Because we've been taught that. It's been hammered into our head that somehow I've got to live right instead of comprehending Christ. Now, if you comprehend Christ, don't, don't get me wrong. I told on this last week. When you put on Christ, you'll put on bowels of mercy. There will be a working in you to live differently. But it's not out of the law. It's out of the comprehension of a person. And it's a very different thing when I do it out of the comprehension of a person. Because I begin to do it out of the comprehension of Christ, and then the Scripture becomes real. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Because all at once I realize I'm really dead to the first. The first really has no authority over me. The law has no authority over me. None. Zilch. And you're talking about freedom when I realize that that has no authority over me, Brother Wayne? That's, that's some pretty good freedom when I realize that by the Spirit of God. What has authority over me then? Am I free that I may continue in sin like Paul writes to the Romans in, in chapter 6? He says, God forbid. No. You're not free that you can continue in sin. You are free to live unto God. Glory to God. He empowers you to live unto Him. But what releases you is His death. And when you get released, for you're dead, your life is hid with Christ in God. So your life is in Christ in God. When Christ who is your life shall appear, He writes, or be manifested, then you also appear with Him as one. Ingle. Man, that's something. So I appear in His presence. I appear right where He brought me. When He's manifested. Now, I feel like jumping them down. See, see, just read on down to Hebrews 10. I want to, want to point out a couple of things, and we're going, to, we're going to stop here in Hebrews 10. I know I've been a long time, so I'm sorry. But I'm not sorry. We've just been a long time. Hebrews 10, on down here, it says... By the which will, verse 